0: Welcome to Evangel this morning on this long weekend. A special welcome to Pastor Scott's family. We are glad you are here. Would you stand and join us this morning? Okay, so you are the rhythm section this morning. You're going to need to get your ten stringed instruments out and put them
1: together and keep us on track. He raised me, how he feels. Lord, you're worthy of all. say Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all in the glory.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you this morning. Why don't you say hi to someone before you're seated today? Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to Evangel today. We're glad that you're here. For those of you who are here in person, we're glad that you are able to be here with us. For those of you who are uh, joining us via live stream, we welcome you too. We're glad that you can join us here today for this uh, service that we are having here today. And it's a very special service this morning. We are uh, honoring Pastor Scott and celebrating his ordination uh, in ministry today. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're really excited about that. We're really proud of you and we're excited for you. And, and we're glad that we can do that right here in the service. And we just want to welcome Pastor Joel from the district and his boys came along. I'm sure you were excited to come this morning too so thanks for being here guys and uh so we're just we're just delighted that you're you are here and at the end of the service today uh we will be uh celebrating with a social so you can stay around if you're if you're comfortable to do that for for uh coffee and cake and uh you know just go home and eat eat your dessert first and then have lunch later so uh, it's a good way to be but scott we do have uh A small presentation for you on behalf of our church family this morning and if you if you would come we just want to we're giving it to you in advance we're hoping that by the end of the service you actually get there but uh, Jen if you yeah so just just come on over here and uh, yeah so we just want to yeah just want to make you a walk over here so everybody on live stream can see you so there that and there's a card here so congratulations from your church family. Thank you, and we'll be hearing more from Pastor Scott and uh, the ordination thing a little bit later in the whole ceremony, a little later in the service, So, and an opportunity to pray with him and for him as well. Just uh, just one quick announcement. Uh, We have decided that we're going to be once again involved in providing backpacks for Indigenous children in Northern Ontario. And um, so starting today for the next three Sundays, You have an opportunity to be a part of that if you wish. We are sponsoring a grade one class, boys and girls. There are 30 students in that class. That's what we've decided to to take on as a church congregation. The cost to sponsor the backpack, because it comes with a water bottle and the lunch bag and all that stuff, is $70. If you want to donate to the whole backpack, you can do $70, we'll cover one. If, if that's more than you can do, you can just give a portion and it'll go towards it. And actually the team here are actually are going to get the supplies and, back, and pack them. That way there's a consistency in the bags. And so your, your job is just to uh, to make the donation and uh, you may be asked to be a part of packing them and, and praying for all those kids who will get them. But if you want to be a part of that starting today, you can just put it on your offering envelope. You can say, send an e-transfer at giving at epcoakfield.com and just indicate that it's for backpacks in the message box and we'll make sure it gets there. So uh, just just make sure we do that, it's an exciting opportunity we have. Had the last couple of years to, to help in a, in a practical way. So that's great. Kids, you are free to make your way over to the side here and meet your volunteers. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings at this time, and uh, you can place your offering envelopes in, in, in the uh, offering plates. But if you let, want to give electronically, you know, like I said, giving at epcoakville.com, you can do that quite easily. Thank you so much. God bless you. And I'm going to hand it back to Carlene. <music>
0: just finished singing a song about when I think about the Lord. It makes me want to shout. It makes me reflect. It makes me grateful. Our world is not set up for moments of introspection and reflection. Moments to really think, to soak it in. It's busy, it's busy, it's busy. And that's part of what we do on a Sunday morning here is we carve out some time to literally stop and to think about the goodness of God in our lives. It does not mean that we have lives without trial, without sickness, without hardship. But there is a goodness to God that can be stood on and counted on. And we need to stop and we need to think about it. We need to realign our priorities. And this is part of what we do this morning so as we sing and as we lead we're going to invite you to stand with us and to sing these songs and to close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that to maybe not even join us in singing but to stop and reflect to think about what it is our savior has done for us would you stand and join us this morning you kind
1: me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to your side. Your mercy calls me to Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, yes, until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness. your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a
0: you are how great you are this house has purposed and determined to set this side this time apart father to be still and to know to remind ourselves of the goodness of our God to remind ourselves of a faithfulness that runs after us to remind ourselves of a Savior that is good and as we have sung, how great you are. Our language, our words, they're small, but would you receive the praise and the worship from a grateful people's hearts, that you are great, and you are good, and we put our trust in you. Amen and amen. Would you stay standing for the reading
3: Our scripture today is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. And it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most thank you church you can be seated this morning and thank you worship team for leading us so one of the words that i love to get called the most is dad right and growing up i always knew that one day i wanted to be a dad and when that t- when it got to, and now i finally got to that point and i knew it would be my greatest joy so here i am today you all know our daughter fireball personality all over the place, and we have one other on the way coming in December. So, having had that dream of wanting to be a dad now and, and, and growing up and now getting to be called dad, that really means something to me. But here's the thing, and it's something I've been hearing from the exact moment our daughter has been born. All right, and it's, and it's, it's that phrase you'll never know, you'll never expect how fast they grow up. And I know for those of you who have kids, I know many of, you, many of them graduated uh, pretty recently, and you're probably thinking, man, you have a long way to go till that, buddy. But like, even still, like, like, it seems like yesterday, right, that Lucy was unable to talk back or say no. But <laughs> beyond that, though, like, she's in daycare, she's, she's forming full sentences, and, and she's, she's making decisions for herself, and it's all so wild. And part of her being in daycare, too, helps create this routine for her every single day. And so on the way to work, we drop her off to daycare. Esther is always the one that takes her into daycare. I'm always the one that picks her up after. And so now every time we drop her off, she knows instinctively to ask me, Dad, are you going to pick me up after? Right, Dad, are you going to pick me up after? And in those moments, I go, absolutely. I will, I will be there for you when the day is done. And she, you know, she does this cute giggle and, and all this other stuff. Uh, but But I make her that promise and instill in her that as her dad... I will always be there for her because she is my daughter. I will love her. I will always be there for her. I am forever for her. So yeah, you can trust that I will be there whenever you ask because I am your dad and I love you. And so I ask you to think about this this morning. Here we are as human beings in the process, right? We're being worked on. We are growing each and every day in Christ-likeness, right? I'm, I'm not perfect. We are not perfect. But think for a second of our perfect Heavenly Father, revealed in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the story of Hebrews, that the Holy Spirit inspired the author to put to page. And one of the things we get to learn and read about is a Father who is perfect and present in every possible way. And because of who he is, his character, his love for us, the text we read today says that we can approach his throne of grace and mercy always. And so, the, and, and so our message today is titled, Come to the Throne. And I want us to really grasp what the text is saying here in Hebrews chapter 4, what it means for us to understand our condition and because of that, what it means for us to be able to approach his throne where we can receive grace and mercy when we need it most. It's a passage consisting of three verses where each presents a different way of telling the the reader that Jesus is our good and compassionate Savior, so we must make every effort to continue growing in our relationship with him. And if you're taking notes this morning, the main point of the message is simply this. We can look to Jesus as our perfect example and we can approach him as our perfect Savior. And what I love most about this passage of scripture in Hebrews is, is the unique language that the author uses. And, and an example of one of those instances can be found in the very first verse that we looked at, verse 14, and in the use of the term high priest in describing Jesus. See, the office of high priest was an incredibly, incredibly important one to the Jewish people. Moses' brother Aaron was the first high priest. He was the mediator between the people and God. He and his fellow priests offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. And so the idea of Jesus being our great high priest is unlike any that came before. The term is mentioned a few times early on in the book of Hebrews as well, but here in our passage today is really where the author expands on it and breaks it down for the reader. See, the writer here calls attention to the specific and unique character of Jesus as our high priest in that no other high priest was called great. No other high priest passed through the heavens and no other high priest is the son of god what it means for jesus to be our great high priest is that he stands between us and the father and through grace unites us he reconciles us to our heavenly father not because we earned it not because we deserved it not because we achieved it but because it's the gift of grace given to us and we enter into this relationship by believing and accepting for our lives his love and his grace so in his humanity, Jesus came as our great high priest. And because of that, we, like our text calls us to do today, hold firmly to what we believe. To hold firm is to do more than just to mentally assent to trusting Jesus. Uh, and what I, what I mean by mentally assent is, is, is kind of just saying, like, I believe this. Right? I know a lot of our high school students just finished exams. And the process for any test or exam is, is, is you study. Then you fill out the paper, and then you submit it, and then you're done with it, right? You don't have to think about it anymore. Students don't need to think about the exam they just wrote until the next exam season. It is done. You guys are free. But belief for us as followers of Jesus is more than just head knowledge. It's, it's allegiance, right? It's more like trusting. And our Heavenly Father calls us to put our trust in him. So for the author of Hebrews to call us to hold fast, we are being encouraged, to trust with our mind, with our emotions and with our will, that our Father is good, and to trust in what Jesus has done for us at the cross, and to trust that He is now in heaven, like First Peter chapter three verse 22, illustrates for us. it says, "Now Christ has gone to heaven, He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and power accept His authority. In verse 15 of our text this morning, the author transitions into the proof. The proof of why we can put our trust in the great high priest we have in the person of Jesus. And it's because he understands and sympathizes with our condition. When Esther was, uh, was pregnant with Lucy, and, and, and as she read my sermon in preparing for this, she told me even this pregnancy too, a little bit. Uh, there were one or two times where I made a huge mistake um, that I definitely regretted in the moment. There were a few times where Esther and I would be driving to work or, or around the house, and she would tell me how, how she was feeling just exhausted. Right? She was feeling that way because of the pregnancy, but it didn't need to be said that she was feeling exhausted because of the pregnancy. Like, she's pregnant. Duh. She's going to be exhausted. And so here I am hearing what she is saying, and I choose to respond with, same. You know, I get it. I'm tired too. You are so similar right now. Right? And I know my wife is pregnant, so I'm going through a lot at this time. Right? At that moment, though, I thought I could sympathize to help her feel better, but instead I made a fool of myself pretty badly. And sometimes... I think as people, as believers, we tend to do that, right? We tend to hear different situations and circumstances that other people are going through and we unknowingly minimize it by telling that person that we can relate to what they are going through. But the truth is that oftentimes we just can't relate to other people's circumstances. That's not to say that showing sympathy is wrong, far from it. But sometimes we miss the point on what it means to show sympathy for one another. The author tells us to hold firm in our beliefs that Jesus, in the high priest that we have in Jesus. But why should we? Well, verse 15 is the proof. We can remain faithful because the Lord understands us completely. Not only did he create us and knit us together, but he came down to us in the life of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father chose to become like us and because of that knows what it is that we go through. But better yet, he He he, he went through everything that we do, the emotions, the temptations, the pain, the suffering, and he remained sinless. So here's the great fact that we need to know. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our circumstances. And this, that's amazing news. That's amazing news. See, Jesus does not look at us and wonder with frustration and anger why we just simply can't obey like he did. Jesus did not simply choose to sympathize from afar, but chose to experience what it means to be human himself. And the ancient Greek word translated sympathize literally means to suffer alongside with. And this is one of those things that really helps me grow closer to Jesus and and grow closer in my own faith and relationship with him. It's that in him, we have a savior who got onto our level who suffered and experienced everything you and I ever have and ever will. He suffered the pain of life, and he suffered the same temptations that you and I face every single day, and yet he did so without sin, so that we can be made right with our Heavenly Father. 2 Corinthians 5.21 summarizes this, uh, this nicely by saying, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ often we are, we are certain that what we deal with is unique. We are certain that what we deal with is unique. We are silently sure that no one in our friend groups, churches, or, 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 or families, or on social media could understand our troubles or the constant pull towards the temptations that we face before Jesus. He lived for 33 years as a human, struggling with ordinary temptations and extraordinary circumstances. In his life, he was mocked publicly shamed, betrayed by a friend, was misunderstood, was gossiped about, dealt with the death of loved ones, and physically suffered. I'm sure many of us can relate to one or more of those. Jesus was tempted at his weakest moment by being offered acclaim, praise, wealth, and power. These are very human battles and not once did Jesus give in. In fact, it can be said that Jesus actually understands the weight of our temptation better than, better than we do. A man strong enough to lift a heavy object appreciates its weight probably more than the person who can't lift it at all. Jesus, in enduring our temptations without failure, experienced their weight far beyond the point where we would have failed and given in. And so we reach verse 16, which in, in, in my opinion is just a beautiful encouragement for all those who follow Jesus. It says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And in putting it all together and having looked at the verses before this one, I believe that this verse is actually a pretty strategic move from the author. The reason being is that often we read about how Jesus was sinless and we can get discouraged in living up to that example, he set for us knowing that, that we aren't that. You know? It's this unreachable standard. And one of the biggest discouragements to our relationship with Jesus is the lie that because he was so sinless that we are unable to approach him. That he's out of reach. Unapproachable. Uncaring of our situation. But that can't be further from the truth. And the author, we see the author follow up his point of how Jesus was sinless with an encouragement for us to approach Or to come boldly to his throne, where we can know him and receive his grace and mercy. And I want to point out for a second that boldly, in this sense, doesn't mean proudly, or arrogantly, or or with presumption. Boldly means we may come constantly, without reservation, freely, without fancy words. Boldly means we can come with confidence and persistence. Many times in my life, and, and many of you know my, know my story, when my dad was sick and I thought God was unapproachable, I had to make the conscious effort to, to, to approach him with a boldness that was vulnerable in the midst of my weakness. And I knew at that moment that when my dad was able to get a second lease on life, that God wasn't unapproachable or unreachable, that he knows our plight and our circumstances and that he has a plan for us and more than anything, that he wants us to approach him. To come to him with what we have for better or for worse. And he will walk with us and lift us back up when we need it. For someone to approach the throne of their king, oftentimes we read about uh, how it was for punishment. right? Or you could end up risking your life by doing so. We read something like that in the book of Esther. How she goes before the king uninvited and calls for her people to fast and pray. And she declares, you know, if I perish, I perish. That was the reality for many who approached the throne of their ruler. But our Heavenly Father is different. He makes it clear that we are welcome to come to him. That he wants us to draw near. And that when we do, we will find that his grace and his mercy were waiting for us the whole time. Psalm chapter 86 verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. See, the God that we serve is one that is merciful and gracious whenever we need it. Whenever we call his name, he is present to give us mercy and to give us grace when we need it most so we can choose to come to his throne with boldness. And when you find yourself at at a point in life where you begin to doubt, or maybe you're here this morning and you are at that point right now where you begin to doubt or that you think you can't approach him because of something in your life, because to be honest, we all are going to feel that way at some point or another. Just remember the cross. Remember his mercy. When you doubt, when the struggle is real, remember his grace that we can come to the Father who knows us and invites us into relationship with him. So I'd like to invite the worship team back up at this time. Church, the truth about our Heavenly Father is this, that he perpetually invites us into his presence to experience his grace, his mercy, and the fullness of his love for us. It's true that our circumstances can make us feel weak. Our failure can make us feel ashamed. Those times can drive us into isolation and in hiding. But when we feel weak, we also become very aware of our need for help. Following Jesus does not guarantee us a life of ease and sinlessness. We will be tempted. We will have seasons of difficulty. But we have a good Savior who understands what we are going through. He is eager and able to help us whenever we need it. And no matter what you are going through, you can trust Jesus. Instead of hiding from him, run to him with your problems. Run to him with your frustrations, your anxieties and failures. He is ready and willing and there for you to offer you grace and mercy. Is that not exactly what we need when we want to give up? So having said that, here's my challenge for you this morning. Will you trust in Jesus? Will you come to the throne of grace and mercy with boldness, knowing that God is waiting there for you with open arms to let you know that you do not need to go through what you are going through all alone? Not because we have earned it. Not because we deserve it. Not because it's a reward for what we've done. It is solely based on the precious love of Jesus. So whatever your situation may be, No matter what circumstances you may be facing in your life, no matter what temptations you have faced, the truth is that we follow a good and perfect and sinless Savior. And it's that very same Savior that wants to be with you and wants to be close to you. So the worship team is going to lead us in one more song this morning. And I just want to invite everyone to stand with us. And I encourage you, as you worship, to really allow yourself the space to approach him to press in, to trust him with your life. He knows what it is you face. Jesus knows the battle and he fought it all the way to the end. And it's for this reason that we can choose to trust this morning to come to him with our lives and trust him with it all. So let's worship him this morning.
1: As I rise straight Lift me up as I wake, eyes of God, look upon. I hear Voice of God
3: this time I'd like to invite up Pastor Joel to lead us in the next part of our service.
4: You may be seated. I'm going to call up Esther to come on up with Pastor Scott. It is a joy for me to be here for this uh, milestone in the life and ministry of Pastor Scott Moore. And uh Uh, What a joy, I've gotten to know a little bit of Scott in the last little while. We spent some time at an ordination retreat in Blue Mountain and just uh, can identify and see the call of God over your life, Scott. Your passion for Jesus is evident, Uh, your passion to reach people with the message of Jesus, in particular the next generation. Uh, We've been able to have some coffee together on a couple of occasions and hear his story, and his life journey, I know that he has uh, so greatly appreciated the support of Esther over all of these years and uh, as well, yeah, yeah, that's important. And uh, as well as uh, Pastor Shannon and Jennifer have been key mentors in their life uh, and uh, every time I've connected you've mentioned that. And so uh, it's good to be in a healthy church. He loves Evangel and uh, loves serving here in this community. Um, As you were preaching, Scott, thank you for your word because it's been an encouragement even to me today. Uh, Surely goodness and mercy shall chase you down all the days of your life. And uh, I think of Jesus uh, on his uh, inauguration at, at his water baptism before he ever did anything, before his ministry commenced, before he turned water into wine, before he rose anybody from the dead, before he preached his first sermon, there he was in the waters of baptism, and the voice of the Father said to him, you are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. Those are bedrock words for all of our lives, but in particular for you today. The Father in heaven speaks from heaven and comes and says, You're my kid. I know you love Lucy. God loves you. And he says without an ounce of hesitation, You're my kid, and I love you. And here's the clincher. With you I am well pleased. We don't have to live our lives, and and you don't need to be a pastor in hopes that with success, God will then validate you. No, no, no. He's already validated you. Before you do anything, he wants you to know he's already pleased with you because you're his kid. And that will never change. No matter how successful or no matter how much you struggle, the Father's love will always be there. He'll always pick you up at the end of the day as you mentioned about Lucy. And so I speak those words over your life. Now, you, maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, what is an ordination? That's a word that uh, we don't use very often in our culture. And and it's this setting apart. It's this It's this public affirmation that you have proven yourself as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today we are ordaining him. We're setting him apart. Now, even in the scriptures... We see it in Acts 14 where Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so we are appointing you today as one of the elders in this region, in this nation. Titus 1.5 says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And as they did that, many times there was this laying on of hands that came along with this appointment. We see it in Acts 6. The apostles laid their hands on the church's first deacons as they began their ministry. In Acts 13, it talks about hands that were laid on Paul and Barnabas as the Holy Spirit told them to set them aside... For special ministry to the Gentiles. And so we're going to lay hands on you guys. That, that the Holy Spirit would continue to empower you. As he continues to call you to a holy task. And they also see in the scriptures this anointing of oil that happens. We see it several occasions. One being in 1 Samuel chapter 16. When Samuel anointed David with oil. Telling him that he would be king. And the Holy Spirit came upon him in power. And so we believe today that even as we lay hands and pray and anoint you with oil in a few minutes, that the Holy Spirit would once again empower you and come upon you and equip you for the task at hand. I asked Pastor Scott to write a little bit about his journey, and so I'm going to read what he wrote Uh, Because I think it's important we understand the journey that that Scott's been on. And one of the key verses that he uh, writes is Deuteronomy 7, 9, where it says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love to those who love him and obey his commands. And so Scott writes these words. I came uh, to faith in Christ as a teenager because of how I had witnessed time and time again God's faithfulness to my family. In my grade 12 year, my father was given a certain amount of time left to live unless he received a transplant for his liver. I was at a week-long youth camp in the Ottawa Valley at that time, and it was there that I prayed earnestly for the first time in a long time that if God was real... He would provide a way for my father to live. Scott writes, I cried out to God while my youth pastor prayed over me, and I went home from that experience feeling hopeful that for the first time in a long while, but didn't yet know why. And when I got home, my mother met me at the doorway to tell me that a donor was found in my uncle, my father's brother. I chose to give my life to Christ before I even walked in through that front door that evening. Through that transplant, God gave my dad eight extra years of life before he ultimately passed away in March 2019. But it was what God did in the midst of those extra eight years of life that strengthened my faith in him. Before my father almost lost his life, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. But after that experience, chose to make the decision to follow Jesus. I was able to see him pursue Jesus, learn about him, share his testimony to people, and become a regular attendee of our home church when his health allowed him to. I saw him choose to overcome the circumstances of his life and see the hope that he had in his Savior. And he set the example for me to keep on pursuing the Lord that even though we may go through the worst that the enemy uses to harm us, God will never abandon us, and he will remain faithful. Scott continues to write, A year after my father's transplant, I was at the same camp in the Ottawa Valley where I was baptized with the Holy Spirit and felt the call on my life to go to Bible college and to be a youth pastor. I thank my own youth pastor who poured into my life and without whom I wouldn't be where I am today. It was because of his role in my life and, and uh, in my life that I see the importance of being present in the lives of young people and speaking the truth of God's word into their lives. As well, I thank my Bible college professors who taught me and helped me grow in my knowledge and application of his word. I thank Pastor Shannon and Jennifer Potter and my EPC Church family for constantly loving on my family and helping me grow in my role and my calling. I also thank my family who support me with unending love and encouragement. And it's a testament that your family's driven down some of them from Ottawa to be here today. Also, he says, I want to thank my wife Esther for being my rock and my partner in life and in ministry. And finally, I thank God for his unending faithfulness. I know this is just the beginning and that he has so much more in store. It's true, Scott. He has so much more in store for you and Esther and Lucy and your new baby. The yet is best to come. I want you to make some promises in front of these witnesses today, some some vows, some commitments. Scott, do you believe in your heart that you are truly called of God to a full life of continuous Christian ministry and that you are in the will of God at this time? If so, will you answer, I do? Are you persuaded that the Holy Scriptures inspired of God contain all doctrine necessary for full and eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ And are you determined to instruct these people or those people committed to your care out of the Holy Scriptures and to teach nothing but that which may be concluded and proven by Scripture? If so, will you answer, I am. Will you give your faithful diligence to always minister the doctrines, sacraments, and disciplines of Jesus Christ our Lord? And teach those who are committed to your care to also give diligence and observe the same. If so, will you answer, I will? Will you be diligent to give yourself to a ministry of prayer and the continuous study of the Scriptures, always desiring the Holy Spirit's enablement in those areas? If so, will you answer, I will? Will you be diligent to order your lifestyle and that of your family according to the directives of God's word so as to make yourself a wholesome example and model to others? If so, will you answer, I will. Will you endeavor to live in peace, joy, and love among those who are or shall be committed to your care? If so, will you answer, I will. Will you honor and cooperate with those elected and appointed overseers of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada unto whom is committed its administration and governance, submitting to their leadership? If so, will you answer, I will. Pastor Scott, may God grant you his strength and help you to perform those commitments that he may accomplish his work, which he has begun in and through you to the glory of of our Lord Jesus Christ. At this time, we want to pray and anoint you with oil. I'm going to ask Pastor Shannon and Jennifer to come on up uh, as as your senior pastors to be part of this moment. And congregation, can I ask you to stand up at this moment? And uh, you're part of this uh, milestone moment. And family, thank you for coming. And I just encourage you to extend your hand towards this couple Uh, The the Bible says the pastors are given as a gift to the local church, and they are gifts to evangel. And so we want to just bless them and pray that the Holy Spirit would even come upon them, as he did in the New Testament. And so, uh, Pastor Scott, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right now, Lord, we pray upon this man of God. Lord, you called him at Ottawa Valley Camp. You called him by name, Lord Jesus. You revealed yourself to be a faithful God, even amidst the storms that he saw happen in his very own home with his dad's health. God, you made a way where there seemed to be no way. You revealed yourself to Scott and reminded him that you will never leave him, nor forsake him, that he can bank on you, that, that you are the faithful one, that there's not one unknown second that goes by that you are not with him. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his calling. Thank you for Esther, for such an amazing partner, Lord, for an amazing wife. Thank you for Lucy. Thank you for, for their, their, their child that is, that is growing, Lord. And we pray blessing upon the Moors today. We pray that you would touch Pastor Scott from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Lord, we anoint him today. We ordain him today. We we commission him today. Scott, I give you this charge in the words of the Apostle Paul to young Timothy to preach the word in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And always remember that the Spirit of God goes with you every day of your life till the end of the age. And may you be reminded of the words of the Father today. You are my Son, whom I love with you I am well pleased. And now I pray that Pastor Scott goes, not in hopes of being validated, but knowing he's already been validated. May he be free to serve, whether he's been well received or not, whether through great successes or failures. May he know the voice of the Father. Well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so we pray this today in the name of the Father, the Son, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and everyone says, amen. Amen. It is my delight for the very first time to introduce to you Reverend Scott Moore. This is for you. Oh, Thank you. Okay. God bless you. Pastor Shannon,
2: thank you. Thank you. I'm a little emotional here. Yeah, it's like one of your children accomplishing something, you know? Yeah. Can you? Can we? Can we do that last verse of that another verse of that song again before we close in prayer? And and once we do, I just want to invite you to stay and uh, spend some time if you can. Have a coffee. Uh, congratulate pastor scott spend some time together and um yeah just just really celebrate this moment it's a really significant moment you know and uh for me it was 1991 so uh and it still stands out as one of the most significant days of my ministry for sure to be acknowledged by my fellow pastors as as being a part of this great work so
1: as i go hand of god my defense
2: Heavenly Father, we're, that's our prayer. That Jesus Christ would be seen above all in our lives. We thank you today for Scott's call. That his call wasn't to a denomination. His call wasn't to a doctrinal particular statement. His call was to, to be a minister of Jesus Christ. And faithfully is serving within under the banner of this great fellowship. And we thank you for that today because it's Jesus that we serve and it's Jesus that we preach and it's Jesus that we want to have seen in and through our lives. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing on him and Esther and their family as they go forward from this special moment, this stake in the ground moment where, where they'll always look back and reflect on this moment, but there's so much more that you have for them. And, Lord, we just pray that you continue to lead them and guide them through every step of the way. Thank you that we could be here together this morning. Thank you for those who've joined us on the live stream. And God, as we spend some time together, would you smile upon us as your children enjoy one another's company, your presence, and celebrating all that you're doing in our lives and especially in Scott and Esther's lives in these days that we celebrate today. We pray and thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God bless you. Yes. Thank you for being here today, and uh, yeah, let's eat cake.